Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk AM 1150. Have a great show today. Um, So this is an interview that I did back in, I think it was 2011, with Miriam Rose, who is a a professional scent detection trainer and handler and also a certified, certified nose work instructor. And I've talked a lot over the years about how important it is to provide our dogs with a constructive outlet for their mental energy. You could say that more simply as something to do, something to figure out. They need jobs. Our dogs are experiencing a uh, unemployment epidemic these days, and they really need stuff to do. They're generally bored. And uh, in my work in Seattle with dog training and behavior, I would say that's probably the most common cause of behavioral challenges that people have is that these dogs are just really pent up and specifically with their mental energy. So there is um, a, a doggy sport called nose work, canine nose work. And basically, it is scent detection training for fun. And a few years ago, I took um, some of our dogs, I think three of our dogs, through a an intro to nose work class. And it was a blast. And um, I've even participated with Miriam during some of the Seattle Kennel Club dog shows that happen every March um, with, a, uh, with her nose work demonstration that she does there with my little dachshund. And I, when I'm meeting with clients, I am talking to them, you know, almost on a daily basis, like, you know, giving your dog an outlet for mental energy, engaging their brain, you know, being present to them and working with your dog and how important that is for the relationship and how just powerfully and beautifully dogs respond to that when people who weren't doing that start doing that. And, um, you know, it's been a while since I've done anything like a nose work class with my own dogs, and I actually ended up kind of selling myself on it. Um, Not that I wasn't sold already, but I, I like, uh, inspired myself as I was talking with clients over and over and over again. And then also my wife, Darcy, um, started taking recently a truffle hunting class, the, uh, the mushroom um, that they're really hard to find, and they are um, around Oregon and Washington. And you can actually teach your dog how to search for them using their sense of smell. And so she's been taking Telly, our um, almost ten-year-old female cattle dog, to truffle hunting classes, and she's been having so much fun. And Telly's doing amazing. And I'm like, I need to do something like this with JJ. Um, our three-year-old yellow lab because outside of sort of obedience training that I've done with him at home and then going out and playing with him and, you know, running around with him, um, we haven't really worked together in a way that's, that has a lot of depth and, um, it's time. So I'm practicing what I preach and I am taking a nose work class starting this fall And I thought uh, it's been a while since I've um, focused on nose work on the show. And it's one of my favorite ways that you can 
um, do something with your dog. It's easy. You just it's a group class. You take a class. You meet once a week, and you know you learn how to do this really amazing work. And the it can be really powerful for dogs. I mean, it's, I think it's powerful in general. You don't need a specific reason to do it. All dogs, and I mean all dogs, um, are great at this. But it's especially powerful for dogs who are fearful and lack confidence um, because this is a way for them to really connect to the the sort of uh, seeking experience, build confidence, get them working in a way that is just so fundamental to them. So um, highly, highly recommend canine nose work. I know when I first aired this interview, I had a listener email me from, I think it was Minnesota, and I believe she still listens to the show, so it's Carrie from uh, somewhere up there. Um, I still remember the email that you sent me that you listened to one of our podcasts on iTunes, and you were so inspired by this interview that you signed your dog up for nose work classes in your area. So you can definitely, this isn't just a Seattle thing, you can find this you know, all over the country. So just search for canine nose work in your area. Highly, 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 highly recommend doing this with your dog. And enjoy my interview with Miriam Rose, professional scent detection trainer and handler and certified nose work instructor. Here's my interview with Miriam. So Miriam teaches nose work classes and... And we're going to talk to Miriam all about what that means. Uh, Miriam's a certified pet dog trainer. She does scent detection work professionally and has for years. And she teaches classes for people and their dogs to teach them how to use their noses and search for things and give them an outlet for that energy. Um, So glad to have you here today, Miriam. I think that your classes, that you're offering them to, that they're accessible to just anybody with their dog, I think is brilliant because I think that it's really filling a gap in um, what's available and I think in dogs' lives in general to kind of give them an outlet for that energy to teach them how to focus and to teach them how to use their noses. And you said, um, well, let, let me not get ahead of myself. So, Miriam, you do some very interesting work with um, detection work with your dog. So tell us a little bit about yourself, about what you do. You do some interesting things on the weekends and then also about your classes. Julie, thanks so much for the warm welcome. Um, Since, well, 1999 actually is when I first started. Um, I opened my company, Verity Services, in the year 2000, and I've provided drug detection and explosive detection dogs uh, around the country since then. I provide services to schools, businesses, and private homes, and I've worked in schools with my dogs from Maryland to New Mexico, successfully searching for drugs and other contraband to help ki- kids safe. Mm-hmm. In addition, over the last six years, I've worked with various international companies working their explosive detection dogs for different cruise lines which operate out of Seattle, between Seattle and Alaska during the summertime. Mm. So that's sort of the the weekend gig I have, I guess I would say. Worked a couple of wonderful pairs of dogs um, 
first a German Shepherd and a Labrador for the first few years, and most recently two wonderful English Springer Spaniels imported from Britain oh. um, as explosive detection dogs. Mm. The dogs and I search thousands of pallets every summer to make sure that the stores are safe from explosives before they load it onto the ships. Mm. Nothing is loaded until we've searched and put a sticker on that says that it's been cleared by the canine teams. Wow. What fun work that must be uh, to then that partnership to go to work with your dog. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you said you worked with a German Shepherd and a Lab or Golden, did you German say? German Shepherd and a Labrador for the first yep. few years that belonged to one international company. They were both German imports and did tremendous, tremendous work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the last three years, I've worked with two Springer Spaniels imported from Britain belonging to a company in Canada, an international company I work for called Canine Scope. Mm-hmm. And we search um, ship stores for Princess Cruise Lines mm. at Pier 91 in Seattle all during the Alaska cruise season. Mm, wow, very Fabulous dogs. And you're right. It's, 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 a, it's wonderful work, and it's quite a privilege to work with a canine partner. Yeah. And what great work to do, because there's no better way to find something than with a dog. That's the truth. <laughs> So now you offer these nose work classes, which seems like a relatively new concept. So tell us a bit about your classes and what they offer, what you offer people and their dogs. Well, if I could back up just a little bit, Julie, to talk about the genesis of the sport. Mm -hmm. Um, The sport of canine nose work was developed in 2006 by three people in California. Ron Gaunt, who is a retired law enforcement canine handler and trainer. Uh, Jill Marie O'Brien and Amy Hero, who are both handlers for Ron in his private business. He does a lot of consulting all over the world and all over the U.S. with detection canines. Mm-hmm. And Ron developed this sport with these two gals as his thank you to what dogs have done for him over his 30 years of canine work. Mm-hmm. Um, The sport takes the best aspects of detection dog work and makes it accessible to all dogs and their people, actually. Mm -hmm. The dogs in canine nose work are taught to recognize three essential oil scents. Uh, First level is the scent of sweet birch. The second is of anise. And the third is clove. They're perfectly legal. They're safe. Um, you don't need special permits or special insurance to buy them or right. to maintain them the right. way I do with training aids that I use for my professional dogs. Sure, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they developed this sport so that anybody and their dogs could have the same kind of fun and the same kind of um, satisfaction that uh, professional detection dog handlers and their dogs have. Because fundamentally, Julie, really, a dog is just a nose on four wheels. Mm-hmm. And in our society, so few dogs get the chance to express that drive to hunt and the drive to find something that's important to them, that this sport is pretty nearly universally accessible to dogs and their people. It doesn't matter what age the dogs are, what physical condition the dogs are, nor for the people. The same yep. the same holds true. It requires minimal equipment. We start out with a bunch of used cardboard boxes that are on their way to recycling anyway. Yeah. So you're not running around buying gigantic, expensive equipment that you've got to haul. Yeah. Um, it can be practiced and conducted indoors in our poopy, ready, rainy weather all winter long. Right. Um, we do a lot of work outdoors as well, but the dogs make a lot of progress inside. Well, and I think something that's so important that I I so get working with dogs with training and behavior mm-hmm. is when you talk about dogs being a nose 
on four legs Mm -hmm. and that they don't have the outlet for that, to experience that drive, to experience that gift that they have. Mm -hmm. Not only do they not have the outlet to do that, but when they do in their lives with people, oftentimes it's actually corrected. Exactly. Getting into the garbage. Um, I was just working with a dog last night that was trying to steal my bag. (laughs) But then um, after, towards the end of the the session, he wasn't trying to steal it, but he went up and he was just sniffing it. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, that's fine. You can check it out, Mm -hmm. but just don't try to steal it and run outside with it. (laughs) But it's so, you know, so important not only that they have an outlet for it but if you think kind of get into the dog's world it's like every time they're trying to get into something to check it out and get information like they do mm-hmm. oftentimes it's unacceptable to us as mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. so not mm-hmm. only is it not being reinforced and nurtured but it's actually kind of being squashed in a way it's being punished in many cases and if you think about it julie more of a dog's mind is mapped to its sense of smell than any other of its senses. Right. The way that for us humans, more of our minds are mapped for the sense of sight. Right. So imagine as a human, if someone told you, Julie, you know, you can never read again. Sorry, no reading anymore for you. Right. That is, in effect, what we're telling our dogs, and we don't let them use their noses as a natural outlet. And the longer that I am in the professional detection dog world and in teaching canine noseworks classes, the longer... Uh, And then the more I am convinced that unless a dog has an outlet for its nose, whether it's finding, you know, your husband downstairs or your kid out in the backyard or the ball in the bushes or its bone in the house or nose work or tracking or utility work that involves scent discrimination, the dog cannot be balanced. Mm. I think it is that fundamental, that integral to who a dog is Mm. because we see such blossoming in the dog's personalities and in the relationship between the dogs and their handlers. Mm-hmm. with these classes. Yeah. And your website, Miriam, is nwnoseworks.com. Yes. So that's where people can go to find out more about you, about mm-hmm. your classes, mm-hmm. your current schedules. It sounds like you've got another round of classes starting up uh, in just a couple weeks. Is that right? Yes. Uh, my next round of classes starts the first week of May, and I'm teaching in five different locations with a couple of others in the works, uh, in discussions right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and Miriam teaches 21 classes a week? 20 to 21 classes a week on average. That. and Put about 500 miles <laughs> on my car a week. My commitment since first bringing Ron Gaunt to... Western Washington in September of '09 has been to see that this sport spreads as quickly and as um, uh, uh, mindfully as possible mm. because it has such great benefit for dogs yeah. and their people. Yeah. Well, I just I am excited to take the class with my own dogs. How fun! I think that this is probably one of the most important. Um, most important things that somebody can do to, and the biggest gift that you could give your dog, in addition to some of the other big ones like good nutrition mm-hmm, and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But it's the not just the mental energy, not just the physical energy that needs the outlet. It's the mental energy. And this is just wonderful. When we come back from break, we're going to talk about ways that this can help dogs behaviorally, some stories that you might have. You were telling me a great story of an 
older woman and her older dog who really took to nose work and just talk more about nose work in general. We're talking with Miriam Rose today, and you're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes on Alternative Talk 1150. Pure Air's powerful formula lets you eliminate pet odors safely. It's strong enough to effectively get rid of smells like urine, plus stronger odors like those that can be caused by illness. Pure Air is safe enough to spray directly onto people, animals, or use in the bath or laundry. Pure Air is perfect for dealing with dire situations, refreshing your dog between baths, or just before company comes. Pure Air is the most effective product you can buy to remove stinky pet odors safely. Find it at stores like Mud Bay, McClendon's, and Natural Pet Pantry, or visit their website, pureair.com. That's pure, A-Y-R-E, dot com. I'm Julie Forbes, host of The Dog Show. Pure Air is the only odor eliminator you'll find in my home. You'll love it. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to Anti-Icky Poo, the product that gets the stink out, we cover the world of animals. This week, October 4th, it's Shelter, Rescue, Sanctuary, and anything that helps our animal friends Sunday. We'll check in with our regulars, the birds, birds, and horses. Welcome back, Aline Fortgang, to get an update on elephants, bamboo, and chai. More from Ananda Institute of Living Yoga, plus a surprise edition or two, all on Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, AML. This is Julie Forbes, dog training, behavior, and nutrition specialist and owner of Sensitive Dog, thoughtful guidance for you and your dog. If your dog needs basic obedience training, a behavior evaluation, or food consultation, I can help you. Call me at 206-372-7399 or visit my website, www.sensitivedog.com. I teach group obedience classes, in-home lessons, and evaluations, and a two-week intensive training program called Higher Education. Again, I'm Julie Forbes, Seattle's dog behavior training and nutrition specialist, www.sensitivedog.com. News, traffic, and weather? Now you can get your information fixed weekdays on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. Got a nose that can smell a two-day trail. He's a four-legged tracking machine. You can't get city Welcome back to the dog show. I'm your host, Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. I didn't want to cut that song off because I enjoy it so much, and it's so appropriate today because we're talking with Miriam Rose, who teaches canine nose work classes. Welcome back, Miriam. Thank you, Julie. So we were talking about, um, just to recap the first segment, if you're just joining us today, dogs are basically a nose on wheels, as you like to say, or a nose with four legs, and um, that they really don't have the opportunity to express that gift that they have and that drive that they have in their normal family lives. And not only do they not have really an outlet that nurtures that and and lets that develop, but oftentimes when they are expressing that, they're getting into something that they shouldn't be and they actually get in trouble for Mm -hmm. it. So not only is it not being supported, but it's actually being corrected or punished, hopefully not punished, but... um, so so you teach these classes, and it's called nose work, mm-hmm. and it's a sport. Canine nose work. Canine mm-hmm. nose work. And um, you basically – so will you tell us a little bit about 
what your classes kind of look like to give somebody a sense uh, interesting use of the word. I just caught myself there. Um, for kind of like, what might that look like for somebody? And for also to everybody really get that this is for everybody. Mm-hmm. Every breed, every age of both people and dog. Um, you know, your dog doesn't have to be a certain type of of breed or uh, physical fitness or anything to be able to do this. Exactly so. Every dog has the same equipment, which is that phenomenal, phenomenal nose that is sometimes estimated to be 10,000 times better than ours is at discerning odors. Um, To back up a little bit, the National Association of Canine Scent Work, if I may, I'd like to give their website. Yes. www.nacsw.net. And that is the National Association that certifies instructors and that uh, certifies and promotes trials and other testing. And I'd like to read their mission because it's so fundamental to to what I believe in. Mm -hmm. And I presume what you believe in as well, Julia, in terms of being a positive dog trainer. Mm -hmm. The NECSW's stated mission is to... ensure that nose work activities and events uphold a high standard of excellence in training safety and practices using motivational, non-aversive techniques with the priority being fun and the well-being of the dog. Mm-hmm. And it pretty much says it all for them as, a, as an organization. Um, the classes are generally an hour and a half long. Um, we have between six and eight dogs per class. Mm-hmm. Only one dog and their handler work on the floor at a time. Mm-hmm. So this is the perfect venue for dogs that would otherwise not fit into a normal class, group class structure. Right, yep. So we've got dogs that maybe are overly reactive or overly shy of other dogs or other people. Uh, we've got dogs that lack confidence. We have dogs that lack focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have some... Um, uh, dogs that you know need to be able to hone in on what their humans are trying to let them know, and mostly what their humans are trying to hone in and need to know how to read what their dogs are telling them. Because as you realize, dogs are all about nonverbal communication, mm-hmm. and they're throwing language at us all the time while trying to learn what we're saying to them in English. It's not very many dog activities or dog sports that are driven by the dog. Most of them are driven by humans dictating to the dogs what we want from them. Right. You know, you don't heal except right there. You don't sit except exactly straight. Um, This activity, however, is led by the dogs because, frankly, they're the ones with the equipment. Right. (laughs) And what we find in classes is that people's relationship with their dogs really blossoms and deepens because that communication becomes a two-way street. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I work as an instructor individually with each dog team that comes on the floor. The other dogs are either in crates in a separate room or in properly equipped vehicles outside where they can be kept cool and away from the dog team that's working because we want the dog team that's working to have the opportunity to um, pursue this in a kind of an unbounded, unrestricted, un. Um, a distracted way. Mm-hmm. And we want the other human students who are waiting for their turn to be able to learn by observing right. the team that is working. Yep. So within that hour and a half time frame, we have as many run-throughs as we can of each dog team. And the run-throughs are typically very short. We stop the repetition before the dog's interest peaks. So we leave the dog wanting more. Oh. And then the dog and dog the handler puts up the dog next handler team comes out with their dog. Yeah. So that each time the dog is put up, 
they're left in their crate or in their car to process what's gone on, yeah. to imagine the fun the next dog is having without them in there. <laughs> and we find that each time the dog comes for the next run through, the drive is higher and higher and higher and higher. Yeah. The hunting seeking circuit exists, in, frankly, in all animals, including in humans, uh, but it's especially strong in dogs. And what we're doing is just loosening that. We're freeing that up. Um, these are pet dogs normally or retired uh, agility or confirmation or working or service dogs. Um, some of them, frankly, many of them are current competitors. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've not had a chance to express themselves this way before. Right. Yep. Now, um, I, so I'm thinking about this in terms of my own dogs and how much fun it would be. And I have a dachshund, mm-hmm. so scent hound, mm-hmm. versus cat my cattle dogs mm-hmm. herding mm-hmm. so you know and then there's all these and i'm thinking of all these other types of breeds sure pugs boxers right. the brachiocephalic breeds right. very large breeds like mastiffs teeny dogs like chihuahuas yep so would i be correct in assuming that my dachshund would do better than the cattle dog or than another type of breed i mean are there is the obvious true as far as the scent hounds really getting this, like, that, generally speaking? Well, what we do in teaching these classes is to use whatever motivator works with the dog. And for many dogs, that's food. Mm-hmm. For some dogs, it's toys. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really depends on how accurately you, the owner-handler, judge what is the prime motivator for your dog, mm-hmm. how quickly they get this. Right. Frankly, a dachshund or a chihuahua could do the same work as a, a, a search-and-rescue dog. It's just it would take them a heck of a lot longer to get there. Right. They have the same equipment. Yeah. You know, they have the same equipment. Um, I have any number of very good cattle dog students. Mm. Um, so, no, it, it's not necessary that it is a... a uh, a hunting dog per se. Right. Now, um, I did a tiny bit of tracking work, just a tiny bit, to where I kind of got an idea um, when I was first starting to train. And one thing that I learned was that dogs track differently. Some mm-hmm. dogs will follow and sort of go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth over the scent as they're moving forward, mm-hmm. whereas other dogs will be more closer to the actual scent that's laid down, whereas other dogs might be four feet off to the right. Or air scenting with their heads up. Right. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine with this, you see different dogs going through their own process and learning how to get to the end result, but it's going to look different with the dogs as individuals anyway, but also sort of across breeds. This is what's so enriching and empowering, I think, for the dogs, is that every dog does this in their own unique way, and their own stylistic version. And it's also, I think, what deepens uh, the people's understanding of not just their own dog, but of one another's dogs and dogs in general, mm-hmm. is the observers get to watch, uh, for instance, how the dachshund has a different style from the border collie, or mm-hmm. the border collie from the German shepherd, or the German shepherd from the Labrador. And we do see breed differences in styles and uh, AKC group differences in styles. Herding dogs uh, have some generalities of sim- similar herd hunting styles, mm-hmm. as do um, protective breeds like German Shepherds or Dobermans or Giant Schnauzers, which are my breed of choice. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, flushing breeds like Spaniels, um, 
Labradors, uh, Retrievers like Goldens have certain certain breed styles, mm-hmm. and that's not true a hundred percent. But we see. Uh, trends, which is kind of a fascinating thing for people to watch. Mm -hmm. And then people are learning while this is happening, you know, it's my dog who's leading this show. Mm -hmm. I have to let my dog figure out how to find this, whatever this is that motivates the dog, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, if you think about it from the normal dynamic between humans and dogs, this is a pretty respectful place to be. Yeah, And it's pretty empowering to dogs, which I think is why we see such big differences in dogs' confidence levels. Yeah. And that's something that I tell. I was just talking about this at my talk at All the Best last week about effective communication. One is that it's not the talking that really matters to the dog. They're looking at and listening to everything else. Mm -hmm. But that it's also so important. You know, I say this over and over and over again, that every dog is a unique individual. Totally. Just like we are as humans. Exactly. And so you can't approach every dog with the same set way of doing things Mm -hmm. you have to approach every dog as an observer and read them and Mm -hmm. learn what do they need how do they learn the best what Mm -hmm. motivates them how sensitive are they you know how reactive all these different types of things and then when you really know the dog as an individual that you're working with and you accommodate them Mm -hmm. they we then find so much more success that way. Exactly. Exactly. And the dogs and their people are much, much happier. Yeah. And something that is something that you, I think, said in this conversation and then as we were talking before the show is that this is a different experience for people, too, because the the dog is the one in the lead. Mm-hmm. And um, people, dogs don't get enough credit, I think, generally speaking. Um, like, wow, I didn't know my dog could, could even do that mm-hmm. or that my dog even... It's capable of thinking. I mean, I'm shocked by some of the things that that I hear people say. Like, I they they had a family member who visited and stayed with them for two weeks, and then the dog didn't see him for a year, and then they came back, and the dog remembered who it was. It's like, well, of course the dog remembered who it was. And frankly, that's done through scent. That's the same way the dog maps where it is. They have a scent map of where they are. When you're driving someplace and you see your dog lift its head up and take a dig deep, deep whiff. Mm-hmm. It's not giving a visual on where it is. It's remembering via scent where mm. it is. So fascinating. Dog's sense of smell is like, I mean, it's kind of like talking about how big the universe is. It is. Like you can only, we as humans, I think, can only grasp it to a certain point And the rest of it is just sort of a mystery. Mm -hmm. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll be talking more with Miriam Rose. You're listening to The Dog Show on Alternative Talk 1150. The Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different protein options to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their two stores in Burien and Kirkland, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your door. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. I'm Julie Forbes, and my first choice for my pet's food is the Natural Pet Pantry. It's the educated choice. Wish your dog didn't hate going to the vet? Wish you were welcomed by a team who cared? Jet City Animal Clinic is an enjoyable respite from the same old thing. 
Dr. Anderson and her team have created a full-service facility that combines veterinary expertise with a comfortable style. Jet City Animal Clinic is located in Seattle's Capitol Hill neighborhood on 12th Avenue across from Seattle U. Bring your crazy questions, odd ideas, and alternative thinking. Jet City Animal Clinic will work with you to keep your furry family members healthy and happy. Traditionally educated with an open mind, call us at 206-329-0253 or email info at jetcityanimalclinic.com to make an appointment. Jet City Animal Clinic, a unique approach to the health care of your urban pet, a local family practice, jetcityanimalclinic.com. Like what you hear? Be sure and support the sponsors who support your favorite programs on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Welcome back to the Dog Talk Show. I'm your host, Julie Forbes. We're back with Miriam Rose, professional detection dog trainer and handler and certified nose work instructor. Welcome back, Miriam. Thank you, Julie. Now, we've been talking about the nose work classes and dog sense of smell and how wonderful this is for people to do with their dogs. Probably the best gift you could give your dog, one of them anyway. And this is something, again, I can't stress this enough, that anybody can do Mm -hmm. with their dog. Um, So many times people think, yeah, my dog could never do that. And I remember, you know, when I was 21 and I got my first dog... And we were in a basic obedience class, and the instructor's dog was waiting on a rug. Mm -hmm. I think it was a Newfoundland. Was waiting on a rug in the corner, sort of removed from the class, just waiting there and being calm. And I remember, and granted, I had a four-month-old lab mix from from a shelter who was a lot of dog and amazing, um, an amazing friend too. But and I remember thinking. My dog could never do that. <laughs> and here I am, you know, training dogs professionally now. But um, but this is something really that's great for any any person, any dog. Um, it's really easy to set up. Like you said, you don't have to go and buy big, cumbersome, expensive equipment to do this. Um, you know, dogs could be older. They could maybe not move as well mm-hmm. as they used to. Mm-hmm. Same with the, with, with the human handlers. Um, but... We were talking um, during the break about dogs' noses mm-hmm. and uh, the dog's sense of smell. And I think I read somewhere that the part of the brain that analyzes scent on a dog is 40 times larger than ours. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and like I said, it's kind of hard to really grasp how how really dogs experience their scent. Mm-hmm. And sense of smell, but you were talking about some measurements of of dog scent work. Um, it is kind of hard to quantify, but one thing that one fact I'm aware of is that some time ago, one of the arson dogs trained by the Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms Group that was working here in our region um, detected a, a trace of an accelerant in a burned out building, which is what their jobs are to do: is detect accelerants so that they can decide whether or not something has been an arson mm. uh, rather than an accidental file mm-hmm. fire excuse me and mm-hmm. this uh, particular dog's um, 
detection involved a piece of the flooring that was left, and that piece was cut out by the fire marshal and sent to the crime lab in Oregon. And the dog's measurement at that point was 30 parts per billion. So there was 30 parts of odor of accelerant in a burned-out building per billion parts of total just air. Wow. Exactly. So we really haven't gotten to the bottom of how good a dog's nose is. And as we're sitting here today, Julie, you know, there are dogs all over the world which are detecting brown tree snakes on flights bound from Guam to Hawaii to prevent the um, de- destruction of the birds uh, in Hawaii. There are dogs detecting unexploded landmines. There are dogs detecting subcutaneous melanoma on humans. There are dogs finding missing uh, missing people, uh, both in Afghanistan and Iraq, as well as here in the United States. And Japan now. Yep. Dogs looking for drugs, dogs looking for explosives, dogs looking for mold, dogs looking for termites. Really, we you know, dogs um, alerting people to pending seizures or pending heart attacks or low blood sugar. We really have not come to the bottom <laughs> yeah. of measuring what a dog's nose can do. Yeah. And the rocket scientists at uh, Sandia Labs have finally admitted that there is no machine that is better than a dog's nose. Yeah. After the government spent billions of dollars trying to devise something better, um, they still haven't gotten there. No can do because it's devised by people who don't really understand how dogs' noses work. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So um, this uh, this is just um, so totally mind-blowing thinking about the dog's um, sense of smell and how little we really understand about it mm-hmm. and how a lot of the benefit from the nose work classes, you've said, is also in how the p- people's perspective shifts in experiencing their dog in a different way. Just as you mentioned, people look at their dogs and say, I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. I didn't know you could do that. We have, I, I have one student who is frank about admitting she is 76 years old. She has a little nine-year-old white fluffy coton de tulaire, and she and the dog do fabulously. They just achieved their nose work one title at the first trial in Washington State, held by the, sponsored by the NASA, National Association of Canine Scent Work. She, um, uh, and her dog went to the Coton de Tulaire specialty last year in the southeast and did a demonstration of it. Um, <laughs> I have, um, you know, my, my student teams, which I'm terribly proud of, you know, range from a 14-year-old mostly deaf border terrier belonging to the long-term Seattle dog trainer Jean Rasback to uh, Shelley Navarre and her young Labrador Diesel, um, Diesel with no dog expedience obedience training experience and uh, Diesel and Shelley won the top dog team one day at the first canine nosework trial by successfully finishing all four elements of the trial in 53 seconds. Wow. You know, we have very young puppies to very old dogs. I have several dogs in chemotherapy treatment who are taking noseworks classes. I have one student who did his recovery from back surgery in my classes. Mm. Um you know, I'm I'm very humbled to say that a lot of my students are longtime dog professionals themselves. Uh, Joan Fetty from Positive Dog Training School, Carla Kimmy from Honolulu Training Center, Gail Sackett, who's a retired agility judge and trainer, uh, Dr. Jessica Wilcox, DVM, Dr. Kate Shotman, DVM, Jean Rasbach, Mary Shure, Pratamo Cantala, Shade Whitesall, Susan Shearer, Sheila Wells from Wellsprings, Robin Hood with her bearded collies, uh, Jean Hempel, who's the retired head of the Purdy State yeah. Prison Program, Sarah Baker from It's a Dog's World, 
Uh, I've got a Boeing explosives dog handler in my classes, two search and rescue dog handlers, and the list just goes on and, and on. And soon to be the host of the Dog Talk Show and owner of Sensitive Dog, because oh, we're totally going to be taking your classes good. this summer. I'm excited. Yeah. That'll be so much fun. Then you can report I will. to your listeners. Absolutely. Um, now, you had said that this work can actually have an impact on other almost like positive side effects mm-hmm. that you have just seen over and over and over again. You've had your clients tell, you know, report back to you, wow, this really made a difference in this area or this really helped with this. So what are some of those those other things that this can help with? Well, you know, it's funny, Julie, because we don't advertise the classes in this way, but daily I hear reports from my students that um, the canine nose work classes have helped their dog in field trial competitions. They've helped their dogs in agility competitions, in fly ball, in karting, in herding, in in venues that I wouldn't have even imagined. And it's my belief that this has everything to do with the fact that the relationship is deepened and that the dog trusts more, that the human is listening to them mm. and the human listening that is to that nonverbal language right. that dogs give us all the time. Yep. And the human is paying more attention. Um, it has been really a phenomenal thing to observe, and it's um, it's uh, very moving to see what people will do to give this gift to their dogs. Because I have students drive two and three hours um, each way, you know, to come to classes with me because it means that much to them and their dogs. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't claim credit for it. It's the sport, and it's how fundamental it is to who a dog is yeah. that this makes And a what difference. about behaviorally, like um, anxiety or aggression, those types of things? We've seen lots of changes, lots of positive changes in dogs in our classes. We have... Uh, I've had one longtime student who's a big intact male Doberman that his owner wants and needs as a personal protection dog. And he had kind of a lot of Doberman attitude and kind of a lot of big boy <laughs> attitude and yeah. would kind of like to make people jump in the class by barking <laughs> stiff-legged at them and see if he could make you hop in surprise. Right. But uh, over the time that he's been in nose work, he's become more and more focused on what he does, less and less concerned with any observers in the room. And, you know, a Doberman is a protection dog, and, and they're concerned about their surroundings relative to what their owner and handler needs. Mm -hmm. Um, He's become very focused. He's going to be a a tremendous competitor. Um, We have a little Sheltie who's also a longtime student, and when that dog would first come into the classroom, she would just squat and pee because everything seemed so overwhelming to her. Mm -hmm. She just passed her nose work one title and is a romping, stomping, hunting, box-tossing little dog. Mm -hmm. Has all (laughs) kinds of confidence in the rest of her life. You know, it seems like this would be something that, you know, in, in thinking from my work with training and behavior and the hardest, the hardest cases like dogs that have lived in a puppy mill situation mm-hmm. and never walked on grass before mm-hmm. or um, or just a dog that's maybe been bounced from shelter to shelter mm-hmm. and, you know, has kind of experienced that or was stray and then was in a shelter. Mm-hmm. Um to to do something like this shortly after um, being paired with their new owner, mm-hmm. I think would be a really brilliant thing to do because it's something, like you said, everything that you need, you already have, mm-hmm. the dog already has. Mm-hmm. And so you're you're really tapping into something so fundamental and so natural in the dog mm-hmm. that I think it would be so such a way to kind of get the dog... Um, 
balanced and grounded and and pointed in the right direction. And bonded with the new owner, exactly. One of the big focuses of Jill Marie O'Brien, one of the three founders of Canine Nosework, um, is to bring Canine Nosework to shelters. She was the head of the uh, shelter training program for the biggest uh, humane society shelter in Los Angeles. Yeah. And she's retired from that and now is working very diligently to bring Canine Nosework to shelters because imagine what this means to dogs in confinement. Oh, yeah. You know, and then, as you say, to... Uh, give this work and this pastime to dogs and their new owners mm-hmm. to help that bonding process and help that communication get set up from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. It's huge. Mm-hmm. It's huge. Yeah. Um, so what are some of the different types of things? You mentioned a, a bunch of them when we were talking about scent earlier in this segment that dogs are trained to find. Uh, in the professional and in the law enforcement world? Yes. Yep. Oh, gosh. Uh, well, certainly the latest uh, buzz is about bed bugs. Um, dogs certainly can be trained to detect bed bugs, to detect, detect toxic mold, uh, to detect non-toxic uh, mold that is on wine corks. Um, many dogs are being used for environmental detection to detect different kinds of scat from different sorts of endangered animals, mm. uh, including um, killer whales here right in our Puget Sound. Killer um, whales? Yep. Yep, because for a while after they poop, the poop floats. And <laughs> if the uh, dog uh, that's been trained to detect whale scat is in a boat and the boat is present so that that can be scooped up, you know, testing can be done to give all kinds of data to the researchers on the overall health of the killer whales. Mm. I was watching a show on a dog. Oh, I can't remember the name the, of the breed, but they it was a spaniel that um, found box turtles yes. for, to help researchers yes, to exactly. locate them because exactly. if they were searching themselves, they might find like one in mm-hmm. four days mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. with the dogs looking for them, they found four in a day or mm-hmm. something like mm-hmm. that. And they're also being used uh, near the San Padre a- area to detect uh, buried uh, leatherback turtles' nests. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly they're used to find drugs and to find explosives and to find other kinds of contraband like cell phones in prisons. Mm. Uh, they're used to detect pipeline leaks. Um, really, it just only is limited by human imagination. Right. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back in just a few minutes with Miriam Rose, professional detection dog trainer and handler and certified nose work instructor. You're listening to the Dog Talk Show on Alternative Talk 1150. You ain't nothing but a hound dog. You ain't nothing but a hound The Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different protein options to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their two stores in Burien and Kirkland, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your door. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. I'm Julie Forbes, and my first choice for my pet's food is the Natural Pet Pantry. It's the educated choice. Hey, dog show fans. Does something stink in your home or car? Pure Air is a powerful odor eliminator that is the only natural food-grade product in its category. It works on bedding, kennels, litter boxes, urine, vomit, poop, even skunk spray. You know, all the fun smells our pets bring into our home. It's so non-toxic that you can literally eat it, a requirement for our home and our dogs. Spray Pure Air on anything you can put water on and let your nose watch the odor disappear. 
Ask for Pure Air in stores that specialize in natural, non-toxic products for home. Or visit DogRadioShow.com for a link to their website. I'm Julie Forbes, your host of The Dog Show. Pure Air is the only odor eliminator you'll find in my home. You'll love it. Notice anything different? You should. There's no other station like Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Welcome back to The Dog Show. I'm your host, Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. And we're back today talking with Miriam Rose, Professional detection dog trainer and handler and certified nose work instructor. Welcome back, Miriam. Thank you, Julie. Before this interview, I wanted to take your classes, and now I can't wait. Oh, that's awfully nice. Thank Um, you. I just think that I encourage people so much. I mean, we say, Eric and I say on, on every show, which we haven't said yet today... But uh, today, now's as good a time as now, any. Though. Now is it's a yeah. it's a nice day for what to take your dog for a walk. It is, isn't yeah. it? To get it's your dog out, for go for a walk, maybe go somewhere new, mm-hmm. which is nice because then it's new sense. New sense. Yeah. Um, but to do, you know, to do something with your dog that that is going to burn some mental energy for them. You know, let them work for something mm-hmm. and, and have fun doing it. And whatever that might be, uh, we've taken our herding dogs, her, sheep herding, mm-hmm. which is of just amazing, and to see them do just know how to do it and and then also feel how little I know about what's going on and, <laughs> and to learn that was challenging. But, um, you know, whatever that might be, whether it's, you know, earth dog or lure coursing or herding or dock diving or whatever. That's maybe for your dog's breed group. But this is for all dogs. All dogs. Across all the board. Ages. All dogs, all ages. If you're thinking there, if you're sitting there thinking that dog could do it, but my, you know, this wouldn't be good for my dog. My mm-hmm. dog's so bad, be, so badly behaved or my dog is too old, or, you know, whatever that might be. My dog had knee surgery and Mm -hmm. limps. Mm -hmm. We call this uh, the obedience-free zone. Yes. Um, And it's really letting, like you said, letting the dog lead um, in in this type of work and tapping into something so fundamental Mm -hmm. for them. Mm -hmm. Like you said, their noses to them are like our eyes to us. Absolutely. And that's how they get the most information from their environment. Absolutely. So thinking about shutting that off from a dog, shutting those possibilities off by either preventing them from pursuing some you know, find the ball in the bushes or find your kibble under the couch or find the bone, mm-hmm. you know, downstairs. It's it's really kind of sad to think of. Yeah, I mean, it would be like me sitting here and telling you, don't look at that, don't look at that, don't look at that, exactly. don't look at that, don't look at that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So um, something that's... Now, you've talked a little bit about, um, and I just want to clarify this, that you can actually do this competitively. One can do this competitively. What I want to stress to people, though, is that whether or not you ever compete, um, you can still have as much fun with your dog, playing with your dog and boxes and cookies at home as anybody who ever goes to competition. On the other hand, I want to warn people that this is kind of a bug that you catch once you see what your dog can do in nose work. And many people who think, oh, I would never want to compete with my dog in any kind of a trial, get bitten by this bug. Mm-hmm. And uh, like Cynthia Fry with a little um, nine-year-old Coton de Tulare, 
you know, get up and go to a trial and come back with a with with a title and a great big rosette. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, it's something I wouldn't want people to shut off from themselves. Um, as a trainer and as a professional de- dog, detection dog trainer and handler, I certainly can take students to the highest levels, and I have. Mm-hmm. But um, my goal is to make sure that dogs and their people are happy together. Mm-hmm. And um, I find canine nose work the best way to get that accomplished. You know, what we find is that people tell us that their dogs will cry all the way to Noseworks class and then sleep all the way home. Yeah. Because what happens in an hour and a half long class, even if a dog only has three or four run-throughs, is that they're as exhausted after that as they would be after a five-mile run. And if it's a not different more kind, so. Yeah, yeah, and it is a different kind of exhaustion because it's a, it's a kind of a satisfaction mm-hmm. um, and a completion that the dogs don't have really in any other venue unless they are doing scent work. Yep. That's, I think, part of what the profound changes are that we see, is that the dogs are satisfied in a deep, abiding way yeah. that makes a difference in naughty behavior at home when left alone, makes a difference in barking and fussing at other dogs, uh, makes all sorts of differences that are just natural outgrowths of having a contented, satisfied, fulfilled animal companion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, our cattle dogs, they are more tired after, uh, you know, 10 minutes, I would say, even of herding mm-hmm. than they are an hour snowshoeing. Mm-hmm. And this is not what we do in canine nose work is not physically grueling. The comparison I make is, you know, if uh, you were somebody involved with horses and you would go and buy hay and you'd pick it up in the field and you'd load it on a trailer and then you'd take it home, and then you'd unload it, and you'd stack it, you'd be exhausted. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the same token, if you sat for uh, an LSAT test, for instance, to get into law school after three hours, you would also be exhausted. Right. Yeah. This is that kind of mental exhaustion yeah. that really satisfies the dogs. Yeah. And and because it is not physically demanding, you know, we have dogs in, in carts because of bad hips doing this. We have deaf dogs. We have blind dogs. We have, I have several dogs that have been in classes with me that have vestibular syndrome, which is something that makes a dog, you know, walk like a very drunken sailor wearing somebody else's glasses, mm-hmm. um, and they're able to do this work. Mm-hmm. Um, we have dogs in rehab from other kinds of uh, sports injuries. We have uh, retired dogs that have blown out their knees or retired agility handlers who've blown out their knees who <laughs> <Right>. do this. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, it, it it is just so universal. We have one gentleman in California who competes, you know, from a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Um, this is uh, for this everybody. Is very accessible, yeah. yeah, for people and their dogs. Well, your website again is nwnoseworks.com, mm-hmm. and then the website for the National Association of Canine Scent Work is www.nacsw.net. Thank you so much, Miriam Rose, for your time with me back in 2011. It was a great interview. I love talking about dogs' sense of smell. Uh, It's so fascinating to me. I mean, as we talked about, you know, during this interview, it's so hard to sort of for us to wrap our brains around how powerful their sense of smell really is. And what a gift it is to give your dog, uh, you know, canine nose work classes. So much fun. I'm so excited to take my lab, JJ, through nose work starting this fall. Uh, I think our classes start in November. And so if you're inspired to sign your dog up for nose work classes, just search for canine nose work in your area and get yourself in. You will not regret it, and your dog will be so, so psyched. It's so awesome. 
So if you've missed any part of this interview or any of our almost 350 episodes, you can find them all archived online at dogradioshow.com. Also as a free podcast on iTunes. And you can also listen to our shows on Facebook because we're able to post our interviews directly to our Facebook page as well. So just be sure to search for The Dog Show with Julie Forbes on Facebook and you'll find us there. And you can be a part of the conversation in between our live shows every Wednesday at 2 p.m. here on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Thanks so much for listening today and a special thanks to our show partners, Jet City Animal Clinic. Dr. Anderson and her team do a wonderful job caring for pets, jetcityanimalclinic.com, the Natural Pet Pantry, raw and cooked food for dogs and cats. You can find them online at naturalpetpantry.com. And Pure Air Odor Eliminator, you can find them online at thepureairstore.com, and air is spelled A-Y-R-E. Thanks for listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes.